She runs in there with a tennis shoe. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not exactly doing that. <laughs> she starts grabbing on my foot. I said, okay, I guess I am doing that. And I figured if I'm going to, part of the what we're talking about today is going to be in Matthew when he's called to go with Jesus, when he's called, he drops everything and he goes right then. So I figured maybe that's what she's telling me. I put on the tennis shoes so that I can just get up and go real fast. And then I remembered last week, Susie brought us tomatoes. So I thought, well, if I do a bad job, then I can get out of here. Anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we get to spend together. Thank you for your word, the abundance of your word. Thank you for the opportunity to study a portion of it. Father, as we go into the message, we ask that someone hears it that needs to hear it. Let it encourage someone to start a walk with you or to walk with you a little closer, to encourage someone they know to walk with you. And as we go through your scripture, Father, we ask that you, you lead the conversation in the direction you have it to go and reveal the things you have to reveal. Again, I thank you for everything you've given us, and most of all, I thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice which brings us everlasting life. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's message is titled Calls, and we're going to discuss how we handle calls, how we handle earthly phone calls versus how we handle calls from Jesus. There's rules, right, when it comes to earthly phone calls that we might get. What's, what's the first rule? First rule is don't answer it. But if something happens and you accidentally answer, then you tell them as little bit as possible, right? They say, is this Josh? Who's this? Can I get your address? Why? Is been there? Who's this? I'm going to talk to you about your vehicle's extended warranty. <laughs> Click. We don't deal with that call. What's the second rule? Do absolutely nothing that these people say. Say, <clears throat> so give me your social. No. We have an important message from you. Press one. No. Hey, Dad, loan me 20 bucks. No. <coughs> hey, babe, come out here. I'll be bringing these groceries. Click. <laughs> Y'all believe that one, right? Yeah. Anyway, the third most important rule is don't give them anybody else's information. So-and-so there? I don't know, let me check. What's all that so-and-so's phone number? I'm not telling you that. You know where I can find his car? Trying to repo it? Nope. You know, we learned this rule when we're kids, right? It says, your mom there? No, she's in, the, she's in the shower. They're busy. These are universal rules for answering calls today. <coughs> we're going to be talking about calls from Jesus. And do not, under any circumstances, use any of these same rules. When Jesus calls, answer. Say everything that needs to be said. Give him all the information you can. Do everything that he says. Give him everybody else's information. I'm not saying tattle, but if you're if you're worried about Bill or whoever, you don't ask for help in whatever situation that he might be facing. Let him know how it's don't know Bill has a cancer doctor appointment today and he needs him or ask that Bill come to know him. That, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about how to answer a call and how to set up a call for somebody else and then we're going to talk about who gets the calls. 
The scripture is from Matthew 9, 9 through 13. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'll give you a second. Not my marks, but I realize that that's, that's not fair since, since I knew what we were going to be talking about. Matthew 9, 9, the Bible says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? and sinners. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Matthew 9, 9, the Bible says, As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. He said, follow me. He arose and he followed him. Before we get into this, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Because it starts out saying, Jesus, as Jesus passed on from there. So I'm going to touch on that. That way, we don't spend the whole time saying, where did he pass on from? What's he talking about? So we're going to jump over here to Matthew 9, 1. Okay, yeah, Matthew 9, 1 through 8. The Bible says, And getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on his bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and go home. He rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. What's well, something we can, we can know about Jesus from reading these things? He's kind, sure we can learn that. He has all authority. We know that. He's willing to forgive sins. He's willing to, to help people. We know that. But what's, what's something simple we can learn from this last text? We can learn that Jesus is very busy. He heals a paralytic, and on his way from doing that, he picks up Matthew. Then they go and have some dinner. During dinner, he corrects some Pharisees. In the next verses, he answers some questions about fasting. While he's doing that, a guy asks to help with his daughter who died. And on the way... To go take care of that, he heals another woman. Jesus is busy. Jesus is always doing something, even right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's advocating for us, <clears throat> all of us. And I know I pull enough nonsense to keep a couple of guys busy, but he's up there doing it for me and everybody else in the room. So times, I don't know, 100 billion or however many people we have here. I don't have, I don't have the numbers, so I'm going to say 100 billion sounds like a good number. <laughs> You know, so Jesus is doing this. He's doing it every day. That being said, respect the uh, respect the busyness. 
when he asks us to do something, the correct answer is the same answer that Matthew gave. Jesus says, follow, then you get up and you follow him. This might be hard to do. We, we, might, we might like our life. We might like how things are going. We might have a plan. Look at Matthew. What do we know about Matthew? We know that he had a job. I'm sure he had some money. He had some purpose. I don't know how much, but Matthew didn't. He didn't spend a lot of time talking to himself when he was writing the gospel. He's, he focused on Jesus. So we don't know much about him, but we know that he had the job. And here in a minute, we're going to know that he had the means to, to throw a dinner party. The taxmen weren't popular, but they made a living. Granted, it was a living off the backs of their own people. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But the point is, they made a living. And Matthew left everything behind, and he left it right there in the tax booth. Just like Peter. He left his nets, just like Abraham. He left his home. Jesus called and Matthew went. Matthew probably had stuff to do. We all have stuff to do, and that doesn't matter. When Jesus calls, you go. Matthew was a tax collector. He was the, uh, the scourge of his people. He probably felt unworthy. We're all unworthy, and we may feel like we're not good enough to answer the call. doesn't matter. When Jesus calls, answer, go. I'm sure Matthew had some unfinished business, some things he needed to get in order. Just, just let me finish this this one thing. Let's be, let me make this one thing right, and then then I'll get up and go. We all have that. It doesn't matter. When Jesus calls, get up and go. If we wait till we get stuff finished, or we wait till we put that one last thing right first, we'll never be done. When Jesus calls, just go. <clears throat> you know, and there are uh, there are things that might be stopping us that. Aren't, aren't exactly sins, but they stop us from following Jesus. Maybe it's a, a hobby that cuts into our witnessing time, or maybe it's a fear of talking in front of people or talking to people, or maybe it's just the, the dislike of talking to people in general. Whatever it is, drop it. Go. How do we answer the phone? Say, hello? My house will say, Carol residence. Might say, yes. How do we answer when it's Jesus? The same way God's people answer same way Abraham answered, the same way Moses answered. Here I am. Get up and go. Now we're going to talk about setting up a call and how to set up a call. In Matthew 9.10, the Bible says, As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. What did Matthew do after he came to know Jesus? He started setting up some calls. Same thing we're supposed to do. Introduce others to Jesus. Help set up those calls. We need to follow Matthew's example. Matthew just got the greatest news there is, and he had to share it. We have the same news. We're getting out of here alive. We need to. How, how could you not share some news like that? I, I know we all get a case of the excuses, and we don't share, but we need to get over that. Matthew didn't have running water. He was unemployed and nobody liked him. He still threw a party. There's no, there's no reason for these excuses. We don't have a good enough excuse to match that, so we need to go and we need to do likewise. Matthew threw a house party. We don't have to throw a dinner party. We, I mean, we can if we want. We could go for a visit or go for a walk with somebody or we could go for a cup of coffee or we could have a card game. There's no wrong way to share. There's no wrong way to introduce Jesus. But Matthew threw a party. He wanted to introduce his people to Jesus, and that's the point. 
the people Matthew knew were other sinners, other tax collectors. They're the folks he knew, it, the folks he ran with. That's who he invited. You know, if Jesus pulls you out of a bar or if he pulls you out of a ditch with a needle in your arm, the, the other folks in the bar or the other folks in that ditch, that's who you know. Start there. Introduce them. If you're in, I don't know, if you're in some kind of car club, introduce them to your car buddies. If you meet a group of guys every Tuesday for coffee, introduce them to Jesus. Eventually, we want to tell everybody we can, but if you go around the the same folks all the time, tell those folks it's an easy place to start. They already know you, and they already know that you know what you're talking about, maybe in some cases. <laughs> Not me, but they might, if they know you, they might think you know what you're talking about. That, uh, you know, they might not want to hear it. They might not want to hang around you anymore. That's fine. We're just setting up some calls. Go and set up some more. Jesus, he's going to work out the details. You know, maybe maybe they'll feel a, a heart tug and come ask you something later. Maybe they'll ask somebody else who's also out there setting up calls. Maybe not. But I'd rather somebody be mad at me and write me off because I told them about Jesus than risk somebody not knowing Jesus because I didn't try and set up a call. Some people won't respond. God doesn't want anybody to perish, but some people won't answer. Some people won't be saved. You're just you're setting up the calls that you can set up. Now, we, we can't just introduce, this is a little side note here, we can't just introduce somebody to Jesus and leave it at that. We need to... To stick around and help them learn a little more about Jesus. But that's a sermon for another day. And there's better scripture for explaining that. Today we're just going to be focusing on the, on the calls and setting them up. But keep that thought in your mind. This isn't a, this isn't a hit and run. We, we clean what we catch. So how do you set up some calls? Hey, you, how would you do it here? You would, you would introduce the parties, right? You'd swap out the phone numbers. You're going to set up this call the same way. You're going to tell the parties about each other. You're going to introduce Jesus by telling Bill all about Jesus and what he did for him and what he did for us. And you're going to show Bill the love that Jesus said to have for your neighbors. And then you're going to introduce Bill the other way by, by praying for him and asking for help with whatever his situation is. And asking that his, his, that his heart be broke and he goes towards Jesus. Now, let's go into a, who's getting a call. In Matthew 9, 11 through 13, the Bible says, When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. It's our job to set up these calls, but the one, the one who gets calls and the one who answers them, that's up to them and that's up to Jesus. But it's our job to set them up. The Pharisees looked around the room and they saw a bunch of unworthy people, a house full of thugs, tax collectors, sinners. You know, they probably looked around and said, man, this place is a real dump. You know, Jesus looked around a room like that and he's going to say, man, this is some prime real estate here. Jesus calls who he calls. The Pharisees had a problem with this. Legalistic folks still have a problem with this. Why, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't he know that's wrong? Tax collectors couldn't even attend the, 
the synagogue, right? What what's he doing here with these guys? You know, why why is he friends with these people? Notice this. They didn't go to Jesus about this and they didn't ask him. They went to his disciples. That's how you divide. That's how you bring the boss down. You don't challenge the boss, he'll crush you. You you get the people to question the boss. You wouldn't go to the boss and say, I disagree with what you said and I think it should be this way. You wouldn't do that because that, that might lead to a, to a conversation that eventually fixes the problem and the boss gets to go on being the boss and that's not what they wanted. They wanted Jesus gone. So they go to the workers. Man, that, that boss of yours, he, he does this wrong, he does that wrong. You know, he's, he's going to end up getting somebody hurt. You guys, y'all ought to get rid of him. You know what, I, I just had a thought, maybe maybe you should be the boss, right? It's real, it's real sneaky to get in there and you, you divide and conquer, right? That's, that's why regimes that get overthrown usually get overthrown by their own people. It's, it's usually a very effective plan, and it works, provided the boss isn't Jesus, who hears everything that you say, and he knows everything that you think. So Jesus heard them, and he said, those who are well don't have need for a doctor. Sick people need a doctor, right? Matthew and his people were sick. They needed a doctor. They needed Jesus. The, the Pharisees were sick too, but they're they're too smug to know it. We we do that sometimes too. Look at look at his sin. He's terrible. Well, what about yours? Don't don't worry about mine. I said look at look at his. He's he's real bad, right? We we tend to do this, and we tend to do this with people who are they're doing something we find really bad. Maybe they're I don't know they're they're into drugs or running around their wife or. Whatever it is, these, these people had the same thing, and it was real easy to look down on the people at this house because the people at this house are tax collectors. Tax collector is the worst thing you could have been. They extorted their own people. They sold their own people out to the Romans. They couldn't attend church. They were so bad. They, they didn't have any other friends except other trash. They needed the doctor. Did, does anybody in here watch that show that comes on uh, The Chosen? It's on Pure Flix, but it's also an app. You can get it on your phone. If, if you don't watch it, it's it's a good show. It's I mean, it's a made-up TV show, and they give you the disclaimer up front, but it kind of goes into their backstories. Whenever they whenever they say something that Jesus said, they make sure that that's right. But the the other stuff, it's just a TV show. Anyway, the point here is the Matthew on this show. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like a, a Rain Man type. He's like a, he's a bean counter he's kind of he's kind of a weird guy and i've heard other preachers when they talk about this they talk about matthew was more of a more of a tough guy more of a kind of a break your thumbs for money kind of thug now i don't i don't know which if either of these is right but what i do know is that the tax collector is never the hero of any story you know we can look at stories like robin hood you know, there's Robin Hood. He's hanging out in the woods. He's he's drinking. He's getting in fights and having a big old time. He's obviously the the villain, right? No, of course not. The the sheriff of Nottingham, the, the local tax man. That's the that's the villain, right? He's the bad guy. My boss over at the prison took me a while back, and he asked me if I'd heard of the uh, the Robin Hood investment app, and I had to remind him that no, of course not. Robin Hood is the bad guy. <laughs> He's a thief. Why would, why would we do business there? And we hate the tax man so much that we'll we'll invest in an app named after the thief. <laughs> you know, look at look at Zorro. 
right? And Zoro runs around all over the place. He's fighting with people and he's vandalizing everything he can get into. And he's, he's wearing a bandit mask and he's wearing his hat inside. He's, he's obviously the bad guy, right? No, of course not. Zoro's great. Taxman's a bad guy. You know, even now we look at our, our check stubs where we pay that IRS bill. You know, we don't, at least I don't, we don't smile and say, man, thanks, taxman. You're great. Right? No, of course not. You know, I have to stop myself every time from writing nasty things in the little, uh, in the check memo. If, if you ever want to do something bad, make sure that you're doing it in the vicinity where someone can also see a taxman. And then whatever you're doing, it won't seem so bad. Or better yet, do that bad thing to the tax man, and then you're going to be the big hero. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not. Gonna, the, the point of today's sermon is you'll you'll be a bad guy. Anyway, the, they'd love him. They'd love you for it. Nobody likes the tax man. Matthew was despised. He was hated by almost everybody. Almost everybody except for Jesus. Now, I saw a saw a meme the other day on Facebook and it says you're never going to look in the eyes of anybody that Jesus doesn't love and that's very true it's it's impossible Jesus loves all of us even the taxmen the, the absolute worst of the sinners Jesus told them go and learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous but the sinners if they had listened and I hope they listened, at least I hope some of them listened, they could have went and they could have learned it. They could have looked over in Psalms 51, 16, and 17, where the Bible says, For you will not delight the sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. They could have went over to Jeremiah 7, 22 and 23, the Bible says, For in that day I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I did not speak to your fathers for command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I command but the command I gave them, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in the way that I command you, and it will be well with you. They could have gone over to Hosea 6 6, where the Bible says, For I desire the steadfast love, not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Jesus doesn't want us perfect to come. He just wants us obedient. He wants us to show up. He's going to take care of the perfect later on. In 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, the Bible says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Or in Psalms 40, 6 through 8, the Bible says this, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. For an offering and a sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Jesus doesn't want your sacrifices. We we could never we could never sacrifice enough anyway that we even come close to what Jesus sacrificed for us on the cross. We can, there's, there's no way we can 
can't, we can't work our way there. We can't figure out some kind of legal loophole to to get ourselves there, even though we're we're all so smart and righteous. Our our salvation comes from Jesus, not anything we did or anything we could ever do. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They were smug and they thought that they had it all figured out. They thought they were righteous. Well, the, the first step to being saved is you're you're not righteous. You can't make it on your own. That's why Jesus told them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I hope they did go. I hope they went and they learned what it means. And I know Jesus hoped that they did too. Not everybody's going to make it, but Jesus wants them all to make it. Over in 2 Peter 3.9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all shall reach repentance. The Lord wants everybody to make it. Now, that's that's some good news. So who gets who gets earthly phone calls, like we talked about earlier? Everybody, right? Everybody gets earthly phone calls. Who gets the Jesus calls? Same people. If you get if you get an earthly phone call, you follow the rules we talked about earlier. If you get a call from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, answer it. And answer it right away. If the Spirit's calling you and you don't answer, there's no guarantee that he's going to call again. I say this almost every time that I'm up here because it's true every time I'm up here. This might be the last message that I ever preach, and this might be the last message that you ever hear. If you're getting a call, answer. Do everything they tell you, and then go and set up some other calls. Introduce people to Jesus. That's our job. In Matthew 28, 18, the Bible says, and Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's get to work. If, if you know Jesus, you know, you know he's busy, right? We talked about that. We need to get busy ourselves. If you don't know him yet, but you feel him telling you to follow him like you did Matthew, then go, get up and go, drop whatever you're doing. It's, you know, it's not, it's not easy for some of us to drop these things, but the actual, the actual action itself is easy enough to do. And we got the instruction right here in the book. We got the instruction over in Romans. Over in Sunday school, we're studying uh, Revelations. And some of that stuff in there is, it's real scary. And it's, there's a lot of troubling things in that book, a lot of very scary things, unless you've read Romans <laughs> and done what it told you to do, then you're all set, right? You're safe. Anytime you read something scary anywhere, run over to Romans real quick <laughs> and read how you're going to be alright. Anyway, in Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Romans 10.9, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're already there, that's great. Keep on doing what you're doing. Set up some calls. Get some more. Keep answering the calls you, you sent. Set up as many of these calls as you can. Jesus will set up the, he'll, he'll work out the details. Otherwise, if you're not there, we're going to have an invitation. And if the Spirit's moving you to come up, then please come up. If you need to get saved, 
come up here, let Jesus take care of that. If you have some other need for prayer, maybe you need to join the church, maybe you need to get baptized, maybe you, maybe you have something you need to leave up here at the altar. If, if there's anything, please don't hesitate. Come up here. Jesus will take care of that. Right, let's pray. Father, again, we come to you as thanks. Thank you for this time that we spent together. Thank you for your word. Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, or someone that needs to know you, or somebody that needs a little bit of help from you with something that they're dealing with, if they have something that they need to leave here today with you, or maybe they need help pointing someone else to you, whatever it is, Lord, if that person or those people are here, then please follow in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to stand up beside here. If you, if you have a need, please come.